steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we have another upper management contract to discuss. Rick Spielman, the GM of the Vikings, of course, signed a multi-year deal with the team. Uh, of course, we all know that that's probably a three-year deal, but it hasn't been announced yet. So it's a multi-year deal on paper. Uh, in addition, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL Top 100. So, uh, Drew and I are a little bit late to the party. I'm sure you guys have already discussed the top 100 with your friends. So we'll do a little bit of a kind of a refresher and discuss the Vikings and where they placed on that list and our thoughts on that. And then uh, we had a little bit of an interesting news development that we thought was going to be a primary topic on this show, and that was the trade for defensive tackle P.J. Hall. Um, if you've been keeping up with your Vikings news as of this recording, that trade has failed because the big man has failed the physical. So we will discuss that a little bit and then also uh, the what that means for the Vikings, the fact that the Vikings are, in fact, seeking defensive tackle help this late in the game. So that's the plan for today's show. Let's get right to it here with Rick Spielman, the Vikings general manager. He's staying in Minnesota. What are your thoughts on that, Drew? Uh, I mean, it makes sense, right? Um, with Zimmer's extension, Kirk Cousins extended for another couple, uh, few years. Rick Spielman's been the guy sort of running the ship here. And uh, things have, you know, it depends on your perspective, right? But I think things have mostly gone well. You know, he's drafted very well over the, over the years. Uh, has hit on a lot of those mid ish round picks that have become stars really um i mean we'll talk about a lot of these guys in the top 100 list but um a lot of these guys have you know a lot of homegrown stars right have been uh, developed in minnesota and a lot of that has to do with rick spielman as you know as an nfl drafter really so uh this team has been competitive the last you know four or five years uh because largely because of that because of rick spielman hitting on draft picks and then, of course, you know, getting the coaching staff um, that is needed to develop those guys as well. So Rick Spielman, uh, I have no qualms with the decision to extend him. It makes sense, too, just on the trajectory of where the team's going. It seemed right. like this was all sort of the plan, right, uh, from right. the ownership on down was, um, you know, after the 2019 season. Sure, you're, we're going to lose you know, a lot of guys that have been here for a while through this uh, sort of peak, if you will, but there was no, did not seem to be any intention to completely rebuild. It was more of a retooling, um, right. uh, a smaller rebuild, if you will. You know, Cousins came back on that extension. That kind of said, okay, we're now we're going to stick with this guy, this regime for a while. Then you came, then came Zimmer, then came Spielman. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Vikings are still competitive. You know, they lost some key guys. Uh, the big one, obviously, is Stefan Diggs, is the, clearly the biggest loss, but, um, I, I, there's still a ton of, of talent, uh, especially on the defensive side. You got uh, talent at all three levels offensively with Thielen healthy with Dalvin cook, at least for now, still in the mix. Uh, and you have court cousins who, you know, have probably a career year in terms of efficiency. 
there's there's a lot to still be optimistic about and i think you 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 combine that with the nfc north that's going to be weak i think there's still the chance of this vikings team being competitive getting to the playoffs um despite maybe what looks like a, a kind of a negative off season i think this you know rick spielman and i as i said last episode mike zimmer deserve one more chance to kind of put things together for a run Absolutely. Absolutely. So Rick Spielman, of course, has been with the Vikings organization for a really long time now. Um, He actually joined the Vikings staff in 2006. So for as basically for as long as I've been able to think, Rick Spielman has been, you know, the head honcho in Minnesota or not necessarily head honcho, but part of the triangle of authority, which, of course, was uh, brilliant with uh, Brad Childress. But uh, he has been the general manager officially for the Minnesota Vikings since 2012. He's done a lot of very, very good things right now. So how you evaluate the performance of Rick Spielman and really general managers as a whole is completely subjective, right? Um, There's no objective analysis for how well a guy drafts, right? I mean, obviously, if a guy hits on Tom Brady, it it looks really, really good, of course. But, like, that's not like, you know, that's not – there's no way to be like that boosts your impact on the team X amount as, you know, an objective – you know, statistical figure. There's no, there's no analysis for that for general managers. It, it has to be a subjective feel, right? You know, the how, how do you feel about Rick Spielman? How, uh, what do you think the growth of the organization has been since his time? Um, you know, became kind of more official in 2012. And I think all of those questions are, you know, answered positively. You know, for the most part, are there hiccups? Absolutely. Yeah, the quarterback thing. Not awesome. Has not been able to do the quarterback drafting thing, uh, basically, mm-hmm. you know, his entire tenure in Minnesota and really when he was with Miami as well. So does he have some blind spots? Absolutely. Does he have some things where the tendencies are a little bit annoying or maybe just a little bit absurd with the draft picks? Yeah, yeah the draft picks. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. But he's got a philosophy and he sticks to it for the most part. I mean, he's. I don't want to say he's predictable because really what's predictable about Rick Spielman is that he's unpredictable, but he does have kind of like a feel. We know what we're going to get from Rick Spielman every single year in terms of his management style. I think that he has been very patient, you know, in terms of hiring and firing, which I personally like. I'm not the guy that says fire a guy after a year. I'd rather have a bad head coach for five years and see who he is than you know, fire a guy after a year and have immediate turnover of an entire staff, um, especially when you're trying to rebuild or, you know, in the Vikings case, reload. Cough, so, cough Cleveland. Right. <laughs> so there are a lot of good things. And in my opinion, more good things than bad things about what Rick Spielman has done since he became the more main kind of uh, executive for the Vikings in 2012. Now, we can look at some of these names here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. So this is the list of notable hits for since he Rick Spielman became kind of the guy in charge uh, of calling the shots draft-wise, right? So when the triangle authority was in effect, Rick Spielman was still the guy that was kind of the final say. Obviously, you know, Ziggy Wilf was a part of that group as well, and he could do whatever he wants. So uh, truly the final say was, the, was Ziggy Wilf. But for practical purposes, Rick Spielman has been the guy, especially in draft uh, – draft scenarios basically since about 2006 2007 so that includes adrian peterson Sidney rice john sullivan in the sixth round percy harvin 
uh, you can say what you want about that, but he ended up getting oh, another uh, first round pick good, for that's a hit. That's a hit. That, that counts. You get a first round pick in return as well. So it's not like you lost Phil Lodeholt, who had a great career before, you know, the injuries kind of mounted up. Uh, but you've got a couple misses and guys like Chris Cook, the Toby Gerhardt pick, which didn't really seem to make a lot of sense in the second round. Christian Ponder, obviously. But then you rebound again with guys like Kyle Rudolph. I mean, even the Matt Khalil pick. You can't get mad about that. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Like, that, that one, he deserves That's no on Matt pick. Khalil. He was that's... the surefire number one tackle in that draft class. Right. Vikings, by the way, fleeced the Cleveland Browns in that draft to move up one spot. Um, and I think... Because I think, what was it, like, the the Browns thought that the Vikings might trade for Richard, or pick Richardson in that draft because of Peterson's injury. And then they were able to trade and get a mid-round pick from the Browns to move up one spot. And then they took the running back. And the Vikings, uh, or whatever it was, I think they dropped down a spot, actually. The Browns moved up a spot, whatever the case was. Just fleeced them. And so even disregarding how Khalil's career turned out after 2012, like, you move down one spot, get a mid-round pick out of it, and the team that's above you takes a running back, like... That's that's what Rick Spielman does. He's 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 he knows how to accumulate value in the draft. And I'm not a lot even of it, done here. I'm not, not right, even no, I, know. I, had, I had to interject there because that was something that will be uh, kind of forgotten. But that was and the Browns are easy to fleece over in history, like for sure. But that that uh, that I had to take bring advantage of your opportunities. Was, right. That like that's was, part of the like, job. Right. Well, after one year, that trade plus pick of Khalil was phenomenal. Aces. Aces. Yeah. Yeah. So continuing on here, then we get to 2012, which is really when Spielman is the guy, right? Like if you want to be the person who is evaluating strictly his uh, kind of his over, his overseeing of the Vikings, uh, you know, management, it's 2012 is the date. And that's and really that's kind of when the like with the exception of Adrian Peterson and Harrison Smith who were poor pre um, general manager title. Uh, this is really when he kind of caught fire. I mean, the Sharif Floyd pick looked really good before he got hurt. Obviously, we can call that one a bust, but that's not a bust on Spielman. That's a bust on a lot of different things that went wrong, both with Floyd and the organization. Rhodes turned out phenomenal. I don't care about last season. Let's talk about well, the big picture he here. Was he's an amazing pick. It was an elite for three to four seasons, right? He's, the, he's a top three cornerback in Vikings history, period. I'm, I'm saying that. I'm, I'm going to run with that. You can fight me on it, but I'm running with it. So, um, you got Patterson, didn't really pan out. Bridgewater's bad luck. Anthony Barr looks like a great pick, and everyone gave him hell for that mm-hmm. pick. And and don't get me wrong, Barr's got some issues, but that's you know we could save that for a later date. He's been mostly a very valuable first-round pick. And then we start to get into the real fun of it here. When he hits in 2015, that 2015 draft class, um, not just in Vikings history, but in NFL history, one of the better draft classes you can accumulate in terms of overall talent. Keeping in mind, it started off with Trey Waynes, which is, you know, eh, whatever. I choose to believe that Waynes was the second-round pick in that year. But you go Waynes into Kendricks, into Hunter, and then you skip around into Diggs. I mean, you can't do better than that, folks. You just can't do better than that. And that's that was kind of the – if that's the peak, I'm okay with the Valley, right? Because that peak is, like, ridiculous. And you you can continue to go on. And I mean, some of these guys are still being evaluated, but he's also been able to find guys like, you know, Adam Thielen, Anthony Harris. You know, I, I think this show particularly believed in Anthony Harris, but no one else did. Right. When he was coming out of Virginia, 30 pounds undersized, undrafted when a lot of people thought he was a fourth rounder. You know, 
and there have been misses. You know, we we can talk about Christian Ponder all you want, and we can talk about the you know the Mike Wallace trade that didn't exactly turn out well for the organization. But really, ultimately, the point here that I want to drive home is that there is so much more good than bad. And if your expectation is straight Super Bowl, I mean, cool. I understand, especially as a Vikings fan, having zero trophies in the case. But realistically speaking, as a fan of an organization, your true kind of goal is to be a fan of a team that wins games consistently, provides enjoyment, excitement, and is a model franchise in terms of supporting the community, social justice, things of that nature. And Rick Spielman has done all of those things during his tenure. And he's also the most jacked GM by a wide, wide margin. So I'm kind of scared to talk shit about him. So <laughs> I, I feel very good about this deal, especially because it says multi-year. We know he's tied to Zimmer. You got three more years of this regime. It's a reload chance here. And ultimately, there aren't that many GMs that I would rather have across the league than Rick Spielman. So I'm happy to have him back yeah. in Minnesota. Well, and the part you said about, you know, there's a lot of fans out there which want Super Bowl and only Super Bowl, and the Vikings haven't obviously, you know, claimed a trophy. So they're upset. And, you know, I, I, I get that. And I haven't been a fan for of the Vikings for as long as many fans have, um, just because of my existence on Earth has not been that long. But the the idea that it's Super Bowl or bust, like, I get it. Um, but there's, like... Every GM, every quarterback, every team had a first, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, Kansas Andy Reid, Andy Reid, yeah. like for years, right, as a coach, can't win a Super Bowl, can't win a Super Bowl, can't win a Super Bowl. And now suddenly he's just a Super Bowl champion. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing how quick champion. that's. He is Hall of Famer. He right, is right, right. multi-Super it's, so, it, it's just crazy how much that can change. Like, it. You know, I feel like Vikings fans would be, you know, prior to last year would be like, well, let's get rid of Andy Reid, you know, because he hasn't won anything yet. And that's like, I, I it, there's so many circumstances that factor into winning a Super Bowl that, like, you can certainly tell when a team is doing it right, climbing up those ranks and doing it the right way. I think the Vikings are doing it the right way. Um, and they might be, maybe have a longer leash on some guys than they should. But there's clear, there's clear, you know, like you said, there's a philosophy in place. It works. Uh, and I'm going to go back to Andy Reid because for years, he was the guy that could not win the Super Bowl, could not win the big game, could not even get to the Super Bowl, right? Besides the one year with McNabb and I think 04. Could not win it, all right? Forever. And at one I mean, for, and he finally won it with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because he got enough chances over time. Like, I'm not saying that'll happen to the Vikings. It, it may or may not, but it, it, it's not cut and dry. Oh, this guy can't win. It's not like that in the NFL. Things happen. Trent Dilfer is not a Super Bowl champion quarterback more so than, I don't know, like Lamar Jackson right now. Because, like, you're, you're going to clearly take Lamar Jackson over, over Trent Dilfer. It's stuff like that. Like, Kirk Cousins or Trent Dilfer, who do you want? You know, take Kirk Cousins. So it's like... Please, please this, answer this that question bowl, with Kirk Cousins. The Super Bowl only or bust, like thing i'm not a huge fan of there's just so much context required there's so many there's a there's 22 guys on the field there's like 84 coaches they all play a role into the team's success and if one of them goes haywire the whole team can be can be ruined 
you know, and vice versa. If you if your quarterback is elite all time best, like that can carry your coach. So there's so much that goes into it, and I think it's unfair that Zimmer and Spielman do get that sort of bad rap as can't win the big games, can't win the Super Bowl when they haven't had like a ton. Like it's, it's not like they've been doing this for 20 years, like as a team. It's been like five, six years. So and they've had so many quarterback injuries. They've had Zimmer has you know how many different eye surgeries now, 17, whatever it is. There's a lot of things that haven't gone quite right. And they are in Minnesota where they're technically not supposed to get free agents more than other states because of the state tax and because of the weather or whatever. There's a lot that goes into it that they do really well at. Um, and there's like there's a, clearly a philosophy in place. They're building things. Uh, they can build a roster in Minnesota where other GMs, other coaches have not been able to in the past. And every year winning the Super Bowl means things come together at the right time. That just hasn't happened in Minnesota yet, and it could in the future. Just to kind of piggyback off that last piece that you said right there, the everything has to kind of come together at the right time. If if I was to ask you, looking at the pre the last two years of Kansas City Chiefs football, right? And I said to you, which one of those two teams was better? And which one of those two teams was going to win the Super Bowl? You'd probably say the 2019 right. edition, right? The team, the year where Mahomes broke all the wet records and wasn't yeah, hurt. Yeah, 2018. 2018, yeah, excuse me. So, but ultimately they win the Super Bowl in the year where everything went wrong. And then ultimately right. when you get to the postseason, things yeah. went right. All of a sudden, Andy well, Reid, Hall, best coach ever, too. other than Bill Belichick. Baltimore, Baltimore got destroyed in the divisional round. You know, that made their path easier. Then they play Tennessee instead of Baltimore in the playoffs. Like, stuff like that. That is part of it coming together. Now, I think the Chiefs and Mahomes, clearly the best quarterback in the league. Chiefs were clearly the best offense in the league when everybody's healthy, right? But like you said, I mean, the Chiefs, to me, were clearly the better team in 2018. You know, they just ran into Tom Brady's greatness a little bit there um, in that AFC Championship game. And so, like, you know, I mean, 2007 Patriots, you know, everything kind of came together for the Giants that year, or at least in that Super Bowl. Well, and that uh, playoff, really. And that playoff, <laughs> You know, things things happen like the 2007 Patriots, probably the best team that's ever existed, you know, yes. but nobody's going to think of them that way because they don't have a Super Bowl. Right. So. Right. So uh, to, to kind of get back to the, the actual point with Rick Spielman here, it's just that you, you have to you have to count for more than just Super Bowl titles when, you know, I, mean, I guess you don't. You can do whatever you want. I don't I don't care. But from my perspective, like, I think you'll be a happier fan. And, and really, just honestly, a happier human being if you evaluate things by more than just wins and losses strictly and look at kind of the big picture and what all the good things that Rick Spielman has brought to this organization and has continued to do so. Let's just keep in mind here the sheer fact that Spielman has never once been a liability is a positive. Think about if you look, all this. If you look around the league. That's yes, a positive. Please. Look around the league and think about all the GMs who have made ridiculous decisions, not gotten fired, and then. You know, things really got bad. You know, uh, Spielman has never been that guy. And you can say this about the entire organization from the top down. We talked about, you know, the Wills never embarrassing us, uh, you know, a, a couple, like, what, six shows ago or whatever. Um, Spielman follows the mantra in Minnesota. He's just, he just gets the job done. And, you know, if they get a Super Bowl in the next few years, awesome. It's, it'll be icing on the cake. But I'm going to look back at, regardless of what happens, I'm going to look back at this tenure of GM that began officially in 2012, but in my mind really began in 2007. And I'm going to see all of the good things before the Blair Walsh miss kick or, you know, the Saints killing Brett Favre or 
whatever reason that sticks out in your mind for why the Vikings have not captured pure greatness to date, or at least during this tenure, I'm not going to be seeing that stuff as much because, and well, unless I'm on Twitter, then I'll see it a lot. But um, I'm not going to see it as much because Spielman has done so many great things for this team. And he's, I mean, ultimately, I, I know I know no one wants to hear this, but it's about generating revenue, right? And the Vikings are worth way more money now than they were when Spielman took over. And that's a product of the Wilfs, of course. That's a product of marketing, advertising, a million other factors involved. But Spielman is the face of this organization with the exception of Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, basically, right? Everyone knows who Trader Rick is. Everyone knows his tendencies. He has memes about him outside of Minnesota. You know, he's a great person to be on top of your, you know, your, your, uh, your upper management kind of tree. Um, and I'm happy, I personally am happy to see him here for at least three more years. Um, and I do love the idea of keeping him and Zimmer together and letting them, you know, win or lose together. One more shot, one yeah. last dance, if you will. Um, this is the right move. This is a reload move. The Vikings are here to contend. Um, and unfortunately, one of the reasons that they might not be able to contend is because they don't have a defensive tackle right now. So let's talk a little bit about P.J. Hall, the move that wasn't. Uh, if you've been following the news over the last 48 hours, uh, the Vikings made a trade for defensive tackle P.J. Hall, who is was and, and, and now again, it was a Las Vegas Raider, Raider excuse me. Wow, I just can't even say Las Vegas Raiders yet. Um, and... That, pick, that trade was, was going to go through for a conditional seventh-round pick. It looked great on paper. Uh, we received news today, of course, that P.J. Hall has, fil- has failed his physical and will <laughs> end up going back to Las Vegas now because that's what happens when you fail a physical, especially during a pandemic. So it's, a, it's very strange. I, you don't see this often, and I think that this is largely a product of the fact that the football operations have not been able to commence, and this is – I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to guess that being that this is a person who has in the past not been known for his conditioning or his work ethic, I'm going to guess that the pandemic probably played a role in that and that the reason that for that failure is probably a conditioning thing more so than anything else. That's my guess. I don't know, uh, but that's my guess. So ultimately what we can take away from this is none of that matters. What I just said, none of that matters at all. Like you don't even need to know that you could have missed that entire news cycle and been completely fine because PJ Hall is not coming to the Vikings. It's just not yeah. happening. But what we do know now is that, and it was a question that we had a couple shows ago. What, what are the Vikings going to do now with Michael Pierce opting out of the NFL season and Shamar Stefan basically playing, you know, alongside a fourth year player that has been essentially a spot starter in Jaleel Johnson. And, you know, a, a a couple of younger guys, guys who have not seen much time at all, um, specifically the Baylor kid that just got drafted in you know, more of a three technique, but it is what it is. My point being here is we now know that the Vikings are in the market for a defensive tackle and specifically a big one, like a big, big, big human being. So that's confirmed. What are your, I guess, what are your thoughts? What are you, what's your approach now that we know the Vikings want this? We know what types of resources that they have now. What can they do? Is there an answer? Snacks. That's the answer. <laughs> no. Well, maybe. I mean, they're going to get some cap space uh, with the whole Pierce thing. I don't know exactly the, the terminology no and the uh, specifics on what dollars are opening up, which ones are carrying over to 2021, how that all works with COVID. I am not about to read all the documents on that. But I do know that they 
it sounds like they're going to get some more cap space. And if they wanted to, it, Snacks Harrison is still out there to be signed. Um, he's a big body. We know that. Takes up a lot of space. A lot of humanity there. And that is, you know, he has that skill set to play that nose tackle. Now, there are concerns with age and health and, and what have you with, with Snacks. But that's the first thing that jumps out to my mind. Um, otherwise, like we talked about before, there's a ton of names at that position for the Vikings. Not necessarily a ton of uh, production or experience in the NFL. There's a ton of names, at least that defensive tackle in general as a whole position, uh, not necessarily a ton at the nose tackle role, but at three tech and that defensive tackle in general, a bunch of names on that Vikings roster, Jalen Holmes, Jaleel Johnson, Shamar Stephan, James Lynch, um, Hercules Mataafa, Armin Watts. There's a lot of guys that want that opportunity to be, a starter or a full-time guy, and that's going to open up for one of them. And uh, I don't know if they're going to do a camp battle. They're not. Uh, I at least want to see them kick the tires uh, on snacks and see what's up there uh, personally. But, uh, you know, there's a, again, there's a lot of names and maybe they see a lot of promise. That's the thing about training camp this year is we don't know. We have no idea. Nobody knows anything because they're all close to the media or most of the media. So uh, we're going to be rolling out week one and maybe, you know, maybe Hercules Mataafa is your starting nose tackle. I mean, who knows? Like he could have gained 70 pounds and he's just huge now. I I, I don't know. That's the, the wild part about this. But looking at it from what I know, what we know, I think snacks would be worth a look. And after that, then it's just, it's just rifling through what is on the roster. Absolutely. You know, you. I'm looking at a couple of lists here, and don't get me wrong, with it, it's slim pickings out there at this point. Um, as uh, as our uh, our good buddy at the uh, at climbing the pocket, like uh, Flip likes to say, that August uh, August signings don't mean a whole lot, and they always seem to not really matter all that much. And for what it's worth, he's not wrong about that. Uh, but at the same time, there is a flip side where you know. It's not like all August signings don't pan out, right? It's there. There are guys that could step in, and just to give you an idea of some of these names that are still out there, you've got Jonathan Hankins, who kind of fits the bill as a no as a nose tackle, really, really big human as well, similar to Damon Harrison, as Drew was talking about. Um, you've also got Mike Daniels, which is kind of interesting, being that you know he played three, four defensive end for former Packer, yeah, former Packer and former Lion as well. Uh, he's got the the injury stuff going down um, as of late, but uh, that's another guy that's still out there. And then I, I believe, and I, I'm not 100% sure on this one, but because uh, I, I can't, I'm not fact-checking it, but uh, I believe Timmy Jernigan, Timmy Jernigan is out there as well, still. Younger player, um, questionable injury history. That's really the big news on him. So that's what's out there in terms of free agency. I I, I don't think that there's a lot of other answers, to be honest, to be honest with you. I thought... PJ Hall was like a really nice piece, right? To get to use a seventh round conditional pick, so a pick that could like what be a sixth rounder at the worst for the like in terms of the Vikings well, I situation. Think part of it too was like if he wasn't on the roster after week six or something along those lines, like it wouldn't even like the Vikings wouldn't give up the pick or something like that. But it's like the profile that I figured out on on PJ Hall was athletic, a uh, ton of production in college, um, sort of had like. Uh, Something it was something Andre Patterson could mold, like develop, as he has done with a ton of players in his coaching tenure, and turn them into stars. And not saying that that would have happened. Um, that you know, there's more than just 
the talent that's needed to be an NFL star and the work ethic, the commitment to developing the craft, all that stuff is also required. And that was kind of the question mark with him. But there was the talent, there was the athleticism there uh, for P.J. Hall. And it was um, it, it's kind of sucks in that regard that, you know, I don't know if you were looking at Vikings Twitter at all, but like within, you know, 20 minutes of the P.J. Hall trade announcement, you had all over Vikings Twitter. There's film up. There's like this is. Uh, spider chart there's is all this film and notes about <laughs> pj hall up which is kind of cool but now it's all the waste and um it, it kind of sucks but you know you get it if the guy fails his physical that means he's probably not going to be a, a great asset to your team so absolutely uh, and really you know like i said kind of at the top of this discussion like if you miss this news cycle like you didn't miss anything <laughs> you know like this is the the only thing you missed is that the Vikings apparently are looking for a, a boost to that position. That's really that, it. That's really the main takeaway here. So, and they're willing to um, give up a conditional seventh round pick to do it. So that, yeah. that which is which is hard <laughs> for Rick Spielman to part with, as we as we know. So, yeah, this is true. This is true. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I recommend you guys do the same. I do think the Vikings will try to do something else. Um, it's it's unlike the Vikings, in my opinion, to make a move to do something and not actually do something about it. Um, Rick Spielman is known for for just doing stuff. Same Brad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Vikings are aware that they're de- they need their defensive line to be good this year. It needs to be good. Let's just be real here. Uh, so they're going to continue to uh, look at that position, and hopefully, you know, hopefully something develops. But at this point in time, we are. Uh, I am back to the idea of. <laughs> using Shamar Stefan as the centerpiece and rotating him around your talent that you've got until someone kind of finds their niche there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will continue to monitor that, that situation as it continues to develop. So um, let's talk about the NFL top 100. Now I've been holding back takes for about a yeah. week and a half now, since we had a bit of a cluttered show last week and um, we wanted to save uh, this for once all the um, names are officially released. So, Let's uh, let's let's dive right into this here. And um, this was an interesting list. OK, top to bottom. Well, not... it, it is every year. Let's just get that out of the way. Like this That's is fair. not a something to, you know, hold. Uh, it's not. How do I put this? I've seen some screenshots of the lists that players submitted. Like I saw one where Marlon Mack was like 15, you know. So these guys, they vote for their friends and like their teammates and and like who they work out with and stuff so it's like part of it is it's not it's not very objective right and so it's a lot of it is a popularity contest which does not bode well for the vikings in most cases um true but in in for minnesota there's five vikings in the top 100 uh which is a pretty solid representation uh, you got Eric Kendricks at 83. You got Harrison Smith at 64. You got Kirk Cousins at 59. Daniel Hunter at 40, and then Dalvin Cook at 21. So let's start. With, uh, let's start with you... Eric Kendricks because I think that okay. one's probably. You know, yeah, I yeah. look at this list and I think Eric Kendricks is probably the most egregious in terms of where he was placed within his, like amongst his peers, I suppose. Um, so I don't watch the NFL Top 100, right? Uh, I just. 
I Twitter it, right? I, I watch you guys. You'll see like the three minute clip that goes on the show and it's on Twitter and then the, Vi- right. like, the Vikings official account share it. I yeah. watch the, the 60 or 65 clips that I'm interested in what the player has to say or what other players have to say about said player, yeah. right? So uh, Eric Kendricks at 83 really, really bothered me. Okay. So uh, the reason is twofold. First and foremost, he's better than the 83rd overall player in the NFL. I'm very confident when I say that. Okay. Just to give you context for those of you who do not give a shit about this list and have not paid any attention to it, the guys that are directly in front of him. So Kendricks is 83. 82 is Ryan Ramchek, who probably a little bit criminally underrated there as well. But in front of that, you've got DK Metcalf. Okay. You've got Miles Garrett, who just didn't play half the season. I know he's a great elite, elite talent. He just didn't play half the season. I mean, he also committed an assault. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So you've also got, you've also got Calais Campbell, who's about 35, 36, 37 years old at this point, 35, 36, whatever he is, not nearly as effective as he was during, you know, his tenure with the Cardinals. And some of these other guys, I mean, you've got Josh Jacobs in front of him. You got Fred Warner. I mean, really? What Fred Warner's one year was that was so much better than the last three years of Eric Kendricks. Uh, I mean, Ryan Tannehill at 68. You can't tell me that Demario Davis is a better linebacker than Eric Kendricks, and he's at 67. You cannot tell me that. I will not accept your argument. It's not happening. Period. He, Kendricks does everything that Davis does at a higher level. And there's objective evidence across the board, whether you're looking at regular statistics or you're looking at pro football focus, or if you're just someone who likes to watch the film, who flies to the ball faster? Who gets his hand up when the pass is in his general area? That's Eric Kendricks. That's not Demario Davis. And you guys know that because Demario Davis got smoked by Dalvin Cook and the Vikings in the, uh, what was it, the wild card round last year. So that one pissed me off. That was very annoying. And we can continue to go up this list too, by the way, Preston Smith. You want to tell me Preston Smith is better than Eric Kendricks. I understand that their linebacker positions are a little bit different, but no, that's just incorrect. That's not, that's not accurate. That's just Logan Ryan, the cornerback. <laughs> Logan Ryan is a better overall player than Eric Kendricks. I, I'm, I could keep going like this. This is, this is ridiculous to me. There are so many names on here where it just, it's not even like Todd Gurley. You want to tell me that was bad. I was waiting for you Todd to get Gurley. to that one. It's Jimmy, better than Eric Kendricks. 43. Look at 43. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, <laughs> let's just be real here. Like, like, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being a ridiculous fan in saying that, like, just freaking look at this list. Like, it's, it's not. I'm saying it's a popularity contest. That's why a lot of this is. It, it's Todd absolutely not that. the 51st best player. He is the 251st best player in the NFL. Okay. But also Eric Kendricks, how is he not more popular? He's hilarious for one. He's an, well, he's a, He's an amazing social justice guy. He's literally leading the Vikings in that department right now. So if you want, like, do you like a funny player? Eric Kendricks is a funny player. Do you like an athletic player that gets the job done? Definitely does that and has been doing it consistently for four years now. Do you like a guy who is excellent value for his contract? Eric Kendricks is that guy as well, folks. I don't get it. I'm pissed about it. I'm pissed for Eric Kendricks. And you know what the best part of it is? Is that his personality tells me that he could not care less about this list. He probably doesn't even know. He probably doesn't even know. He literally said on the show, he was like, I mean, I don't like that I haven't been on the list, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, that's who he is. And that's who he will continue to be. But 83 is far too low for Eric Hendricks, period. 
underline bold faced, however you want it. I I don't care who you are. Like there's no there's no debating that. So I like that. That was a good rant. That was that was fun (laughs) to be a part of. Um, I mean, so let's, okay, so let's move on to Harrison Smith because a lot of things you said are, are true for Harrison Smith. And the the one thing that – so it seems like Harrison Smith – I'm going back to the Madden ratings a little bit where, like, he's up to, like, a 95 or whatever, which right. is pretty good. But it seems like he's getting credit for his dominance, like, two or three years too late. Uh, and he was the best safety, like, of all time in terms of pro football focus, what they think and his production on the field in 2017. Like it it was, he did everything at the highest level. It was better than anybody at everything at the position. And then, so, you know, now I I don't think he even made the pro bowl that year, which pro bowl sucks. Like that's that we, we know that that sucks. Um, But so, you know, him at 64 is, is fine. Like it, it, it's still too low. And we're kind of used to that with him by now. But it seems like even that is like higher than he. I don't know. I can't confirm this, but I think like that's even higher than he was in the past, which is still it, it points to Minnesota players in general not getting the attention they deserve because a it's a small market. B I think it's part of like you said about Kendrick to the personality thing. Like these guys are kind of gentle giants, if you will, about how they go about dominating the game, and they just kind of shut up and they're about the team winning more than themselves getting the attention for it. Yeah. They, I mean, they take on the philosophy and the personality of their coach, right? I mean, Mike Zimmer was overlooked for years, too. He was mm-hmm. coined as abrasive, <laughs> which he is. But <laughs> um, just, to, just to circle back to your point about Harrison Smith, the highest he has ever been, which is this is egregious, was 46 in 2018. Granted, that was his that was coming after off the, of his be, best that season. Was after, yeah, yeah. That was coming off of 2017. It was also coming off of the last memory of that 2017 season was maybe the worst game that he ever played as a professional, that game against the Eagles. So, um, but he was 83 last year. So, you know, uh, Harrison Smith, I still think that, you know, a lot of these names in front of him are very questionable. I mean, I'll go back to Logan Ryan, obviously. Yeah, Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, some of these are ridiculous. We can do the same thing I just did for Eric Kendricks for Harrison Smith to a degree. But for the most part, like, at least he's on the list, right? At least he's ahead of some of these guys where, like, he's ahead of Earl Thomas now. I'm okay with that. Earl Thomas has declined. That's that's accurate to me. I mean, there are – there is some credibility to him being at 64. Yeah. So I'm okay with that one. Um, moving on to the next one on the list, and we're going to start to get into – another player that is criminally underrated um, and that is your number 40 overall player number 40 overall the first player ever or excuse me the highest sack total ever for a player under 25 years old daniel hunter is 40 overall he is behind chris godwin nick chubb minka fitzpatrick who great season but like still come on okay aaron jones Saquon Barkley coming off of last year. Saquon Barkley is a great player, but off of last year. Okay. I I mean, some of the – I mean, Delvin Cook even. Flip Delvin Cook and Daniel Hunter out, please. Oh, I agree. Um, You know, you can't tell me that Daniel Hunter didn't have a better year than Khalil Mack last year. Mack was – I mean, pedigree, one of the greatest players, you know, one of the greatest single-season campaigns that he – you know, the year that he produced in, what, 2017, where he's an all-pro at both linebacker and defensive end, that'll never be forgotten. But last year, who was better? It was Daniel Hunter, okay? So, 
40 is a little bit ridiculous. I, I truly, truly believe this, that Daniel Hunter is a top 20 player in the NFL. Hmm. I, I don't, I don't have as much of an issue because at least he is top 50 and relative to his peers, there aren't a yeah. whole lot of guys but, here that I'm. And the thing is about. too, if you look at this, if you look at it, so there's 32 teams, right? So like if they're to be, you know, uh, liberal about this, democratic about this, and they would put like, try to get as equal amount of res- representation as possible. And, you know, that's at this point, you know, it, with four, your top 40 should be like, you know, one player from each team, one, two from a couple, if you kind of go, you know, the top 32 and then eight more guys. And so from that perspective, like Hunter, that means, you know, he's uh, the best player on almost every team in the league. If you put him on another roster, which right. probably true, right? Uh, you, he's better. I mean, you put him on a lot of rosters in the NFL and he's the best guy. He's the best guy. I would put him as, I would say he's the best guy in the Vikings roster. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. I, I think that's, an easy pick there. Uh, and now I guess one thing we'll have to see is how he performs without Eris Griffin right. uh, on the one side. That might be the one question mark here. Uh, but the, like, no, I've never seen a pass rusher just rip through the double teams the way Daniel Hunter does. And so right. that that's going to be fun. I, I, as long as he's in purple wearing number 99 with those freakish long arms, like I, that's going to be fun to watch. And so, yeah, I mean, 40 is probably low. But uh, at the same time, I, I think the other two guys you haven't talked about yet, Dalvin and Kirk, um, were a little too high for me. Right, right. Um, I actually skipped over Kirk Cousins on accident on my way uh, going down the list towards number one. Uh, Cousins comes in at number 58. Let's move on to, to him here, which is <clears> – this is going to be one of the more polarizing – like slots, right? Um, not just in Minnesota. People hate people hate Kirk Cousins across the country for no reason. Um, but fifty-eight, that that's a that's a very strange spot for a couple of reasons. One being that I don't really think he's the fifty-eighth best player in the NFL. Personally, I I think it's his position that's bumping him up, up yeah, well, yeah. You know, that high, Which, right? It is a harder position to play. Like I think I of think those it they should be getting bumped up higher than you know like. I don't know, like linebacker or like running back right. or something like that. But that, but then I think what's more important here is the quarterbacks on the right. list. Right. I, and I agree. That was going to be my second point. And then the biggest issue being here and kind of what throws a wrench into the fact that he's 58 is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is 43. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, this is, this is a show that has been kind of, you know, wishy-washy on Jimmy Garoppolo. We've had days where it's, you know, you can see the potential. Um, I believe heading into that 49ers matchup, we were all in on him being the weakest link. I still stand by that. I, I, absolutely. It's not uh, like he lit up the Vikings that day. He definitely did not. Um, in fact, he, you could argue that he was a detriment to his team on that day, um, for the most part, at least. Eric Kendricks would agree. Absolutely. Yeah, he would. Uh, so that... And the fact that Dak Prescott is at 46, um, I think that Dak Prescott's probably better than Kirk Cousins. Um, but And Jimmy Garoppolo. But. And Jimmy Garoppolo. But, <laughs> yeah, most of these guys are better. Than, honestly, does Jimmy Garoppolo even belong in the top 100? No, no, no. I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. So uh, it's weird. This is, a, this is a weird spot. The guys that are immediately around him, Devontae Adams at 57, I'm okay with that. He's a phenomenal wide receiver, one of the best in the league. And he honestly might be a little bit underrated mm-hmm. coming off of a you know, down year. And then Odell Beckham, 
those that those are the two guys that Kirk Cousins is in between. I think both those guys are better than Kirk Cousins relative to you know their position and their you know kind of yeah, where they stand in the NFL. And then you look at DeForest Buckner, probably a little bit underrated as well. Zach Martin, Stephon Diggs, Marcus Peters, every single one of these guys that are directly in front of Kirk, I can get behind the argument that they are the better player. But it's the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is at it's, 43. It's, it's the it's the quarterbacks now. If I remember correctly, I don't think Matt Ryan's even on the list, right? No, he's not. I don't think he's on the list, which is like, that's an interesting wrench into this too, because mm-hmm. like, I don't think, I don't think Kirk's better than Matt Ryan. I don't either. Uh, I think Matt Ryan's right now being dealt a pretty poor hand in Atlanta with what he's dealing with there. I know he has Julio Jones to throw to, but I don't think that organization, that team, that uh, coaching staff, I don't think they're doing things, doing many favors right now. And so that's throwing things off for his career. And I like Matt Ryan was an MVP not long ago, you know? Right. And so the plays at a high level. I mean, yeah, yeah. But that's goes to show too, at least that quarterback, like team success is, is massive to this. Um, Definitely. Hence, Visibility in general. Hence, Jimmy Garoppolo is, yeah. is at 43, you know? Uh, and so I don't know. It, what it is, what it is. Um, I don't have a huge qualm with it, but I wouldn't have like, if I were to guess, Right now, if you were to vote without knowing the list, well, where's where's Kirk Cousins on that list? I would have said like 82. I that's what I, yeah I was gonna say probably in like the 90s for me. Um, can we just like just go out and say this that they just did quarterback wrong this year? Like it's just straight up wrong well, across the board. It's not isn't the best guy, right? He's the third best quarterback on this list. Wait, he's not. Third. He might. He's third. He's behind Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. Mahomes has a better case to be the third greatest quarterback of all time than the third quarterback on this list. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little just, bit of an exaggeration. Like, Mahomes in his own league for like players in the NFL, not just like like the quarterbacks. Right. Like for like if there's tiers at the NFL top 100, it's Mahomes in his own league, then Aaron Donald in his own league, and then the rest of the league. Pretty much. Yeah, and then you got Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, who are obviously very, very good quarterbacks and, you know, guys that I would love to be quarterbacking the Vikings. But relative to Mahomes, I mean, come on, let's just – did you guys watch last year? Like, (laughs) were we watching the same game the last, what, 26 games that Mahomes has played? He's the best player in the league by a wide margin. And let's also keep in mind here that they have Breeze at 12, Brady at 14, and Rodgers at 16, and Watson at 20. That all is kind of messed up as well. I mean, that's Tom all. Brady, that's all reputation. That's you know, all reputation. Tom Brady's, Brady's not, not the 14th good last best year. player in the league. He's not no, the 14th he, best player in the league. He is not the based 14th. on only last year. Brady shouldn't be on the top 100. I would. I would definitely agree. I would put heading into this season, right? I would put Watson in front of Brady for down. sure, probably oh, Breeze and Rogers. I would have Roger of those four guys I just said: Breeze, Brady, Rogers, Watson. I would go. Rodgers, Watson, Breeze, Brady. So basically yeah. just like close to the reverse of what they got. Um, and then, of course, Garoppolo at 43 is just a disaster and, you know, and so forth. So Ryan Tannehill, it's, I, I understand that Tannehill had a solid year, but like you want to tell me Matt Ryan Tannehill is better than Matt Ryan? You're wrong. Okay. Um, Josh Allen at 87 in front of Kyler That's Murray. Bad. That's, That's bad. bad. That's really I bad. Mean, these are all bad. I mean, these are all bad. They got so much of this wrong this year. And really, they got number 21 wrong as well. And I'm not I'm not being a hater. I'm a Dalvin Cook fan. He is not the 21st best player in the league. The guys that are directly he, behind that's, him. This is the issue with this because, like, 
and we ultimately here we're debating a list that literally like doesn't matter. Like right. nobody's okay. going to remember this, this list sure, by the time the season starts. Yes. So we we prop up quarterbacks for playing quarterback like that's a that position it's it, more valuable to the team it's probably a little bit more difficult to play so we should be in theory doing that for running back right like running back it's less valuable to your team not as as difficult of a task all that and with christian mccaffrey being so high delvin cook being so high like it doesn't seem as if that's the case so um i i I don't know. Dalvin Cook, 21. I would have put, if I would have guessed, I would have said like 38. He's a stud for sure. Like, make like elusive ability off the charts for sure. I just some questioning at 21. Yep. 21 is. 21's a little bit high for Dalvin Cook. Okay. Um, you look at the guys that are directly around him. I think I'm frozen right now, by the way, if you're watching this on video. Uh, but I'm still yep. talking. Oh, still yeah. Like- I was going to say something, but I kept talking because. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, that kind of threw me for a loop. I was a little bit I, round. I, I, I heard it in your voice, and that's why I looked up it. But anyways, that's irrelevant. But if, you, if you're one of the four people watching us on YouTube, I am, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm not frozen. But um, So you look at the guys that are immediately around Dalvin Cook. And I think, I think Drew's point that the running back position needs to be devalued as, as a whole um, in relative to the league well, is— If we're going to, do, if we're going to positively value quarterbacks, yes. we should be reg- negatively yes. you know, hurting running backs the same way, right? Absolutely. Okay, so then you look at the guys that are immediately around Dalvin Cook, as I have done with the last few guys, right? Okay. Tyreek Hill at 22. I hate the guy. He's a major, major, major piece of shit. Tyreek Hill's a better football player and more impactful to his team. Yeah. Has a greater impact on the Chiefs than Dalvin Cook has on the Minnesota Vikings. It's a little bit close. But regardless, that's my take. That's my take there. Cameron Jordan at 23. You've got an argument that Jordan's the best 4-3 defensive end in the NFL. Dalvin Cook is not more valuable to the Vikings at running back than Cameron Jordan is as the franchise pass rusher for the Saints. TJ Watt at 25. Jamal Adams at 27. Quinton Nelson at 29. I know he's a guard, but Quinton Nelson's a top 10 player in the NFL. Mike Evans. Who would you rather have, Dalvin Cook or Mike Evans? Who would you rather pay? Mike Evans or Dalvin Cook. Um, all of these guys around him, I mean, the guys that are immediately in front of him, Deshaun Watson, is Dalvin Cook in the same stratosphere as Deshaun Watson in terms of value to his organization? Yeah. Well, no, and I, this isn't a list, like, who's the most valuable player. It's the best. But it, it's still it's it's still true, right? Like, you know, is what is Dalvin? Maybe a top five running back? Like, maybe. Um, you know, you, you think you guys ahead of him. I put Barkley ahead of him still. Uh, McCaffrey, 100%. Derrick Henry, 100%. And then Ezekiel Elliott's debatable. So right there, you have three guys for sure at running back that are ahead of him. Now, looking at positional value then, uh, that wouldn't put him in the top, you know, probably 40 players in the league just based on that. So I, I would have guessed, yeah, somewhere around 40 or 50 uh, if, if, if you hadn't told me what he was in the list. Uh, and I, because I, the thing is, Elusive ability, like the way he was able to create yards after a catch, like probably the best in the league at that in particular. Right. I think he actually was in terms of like yards per reception after the catch. Um, But it's just I I have this thing with running backs. I can't quite like I can't quite give them as much credit for what they do as really any other position in in football. I don't think you're alone in that take. Um, 
you look at, I think a more a fair way to evaluate Dalvin Cook's positioning on this list is relative to his positional peers, right? Where he's ranked amongst the running back position. And the guys that are in front of him are Christian McCaffrey and Derek Henry. I believe that's it. That's it. Those are the two guys that are in front of him. I'm okay with that take. Yeah. I don't I love am. it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I, I would probably say, you know, I think that Ezekiel Elliott probably has earned more in his, you know, what, four years in the league than Dalvin Cook has in his three. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it, it is surprising, too, because it took one year for Cook to explode and he was up there, you know, like right. he's had the injury history and he has been like if if Cook had been healthy the last two years and then he put together what he did in 2019, like it would he would even be higher on this list. He'd be, you know, sniffing the top 10, which is kind of nuts to think about. Like that's another thing with Cook. His reputation around the league is pretty darn impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's one thing that this list definitely confirms, right? That Delvin Cook is a player to be feared, which I sh- certainly share that opinion. Um, it's just uh, it's a little high for me. So as a whole here, we got Delvin Cook at 21, probably a little bit high. Uh, Daniel Hunter at 40, probably too low, uh, probably significantly too low, to be honest with you. Uh, Kirk Cousins at 58. I, I mean, you know, we, we, we discussed this one, but I, I think 58 is just too high for, for Kirk Cousins, regardless of, you know, where Jimmy Garoppolo is on the list. I can't, I can't base my opinion on where Garoppolo is on the list. I have to base it on where Cousins is on the yeah. list, and that's too high for me. So, um, and then you round out here with, uh, with Mr. Kendricks at 83, which is, we just did this. Uh, it's egregious. That's on, it's wrong. It's wrong, period. So, um, any final takes for the NFL Top 100 before we close out this show? Uh, no, no, I, I don't. Um, I will say I, uh, I, I, I found, so I have the time pop app, right? So I went back last year and I had my ranking before the 2019 season of quarterbacks and a who boy, that is bad. That is bad. I had like Lamar Jackson, at like 26, uh, I had Aaron Rodgers number one. And it was, it, it was, it was bad. It was bad. So ranking lists like this, just like they don't matter. They don't matter. We just made up 15 minutes or so of time. We used it on a list that nobody will remember even what it was made up of in like two months. So I mean, we've done this for what four, four or five years now, and I can't oh, remember oh, yeah. takes from last from last year or the year before. No, the, for sure. Before that. So, well, all right, folks. Well, that rounds out our show for today. Um, thank you as always for listening. You can find us on the Daily Norseman, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify. Pretty much everywhere that you can find a net, uh, that you can find a podcast, we're there. Uh, make sure to check out the Climbing the Pocket Network. Uh, those guys are still creating content, and of course, with this NFL season ramping up, we will have more content um, coming for you. Uh, that's the game plan. So um, next week, um, we're closing. I mean, we're getting close here. Um, if the NFL season is going to happen, um, we're, we are month. getting. We are getting close, so uh, we'll continue our discussion he- leading up to the season um, and start trying to evaluate the the Vikings um, in terms of you know where they stand amongst their peers, where they stand in the NFC North, um, and that'll be kind of uh, what we do leading up to the year. And hopefully, we have an NFL season. Otherwise, this podcast is going to be real interesting. So, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, thank you as always, and we will catch you next week. Ooh.